Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back. America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner National Coalition for the Homeless Veterans, NCHV. Today is Saturday, October 16th, 2021. October is National Breast Cancer and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. The host is Cliff Kelly. My name is Sean Claiborne, National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega with Scouts Honor Productions. We have two great panelists here today. We have Catherine Monet. She's the chief executive officer of the National Coalition for the Homeless Veterans and Ralph Cooper, community and residential veteran services coordinator for Cloudbreak Houston LLC and co-founder of the National Coalition for Homeless Veterans. So one thing I want to make sure you guys do also as well is join us on Facebook Live. We are live streaming right now. Our radio talk show is also global. So like and share so we can get more, more people to get information and also get some information out to people that need it. And Ms. Uh, Monet and Mr. Cooper, welcome. Thanks for coming on our show today. That's why I thank you. Can you hear me thank okay? You, you sound great. You sound great. So to let us know what are some of the things that are, that are happening with homeless veterans and also tell us what are some of the things you guys are doing with your organization to help these problems that the homeless veterans have. And that's for Ms. Monet first. Well, so I'll start. The National Coalition for Homeless Veterans is an organization that's been around since 1990, right? Mr. Cooper was one of the really great people out in the field doing some hard work with veterans who had the foresight to realize that we needed to do more organizing, more advocating, more engaging, and more training for providers across. And that is, in fact, what we still do today, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. We organize, we advocate, we train a toll-free report that um, connects veterans and resources in their community. And there's actually a lot that has been going on since then, right? I mean, since 2010, the um, number of veterans experiencing homelessness has decreased by 50%, but there was a slight increase between 2019 and 2020, which, you know, has worried a lot of us. And, I mean, to Congress's credit, they have been really quick to act to ensure that they're offering up additional resources to try and prevent more veterans from becoming homeless, mm-hmm. but it still feels like we're in a state of crisis because veterans are. And it seems weird that, for, I mean, for right now people have the impression that homelessness is, a, is, a, is, is rampant among veterans, but people have to understand, too, that most veterans are not homeless. However, the majority of veterans, from what I understand, are still Vietnam vets. So you have a lot of and Vietnam vets are getting up in age or getting to, in their senior years now. So so talk about Ralph. Can you tell us more about um, the plight of Vietnam veterans? Why we're seeing a, a lot of homeless veterans that are from the Vietnam era, and what are we doing to get? To, could, these are people are becoming senior citizens now. How do we get them off the street? Well, uh, good evening. Um, first of all, you know there really has never been any way to to really identify the why uh, that veterans are 
homeless. Have you muted me? Oh. We can hear you. Can we can hear, hear you out there? Mm-hmm. Oh. You're doing okay. So, um, the, and, and it is a fact that uh, among the growing number of, of, of veterans that are homeless are the, are the elderly and, and uh, also women increasingly uh, among the, the homeless among our population. But uh, one of the things is that we really don't have enough affordable housing mm. to even begin to skim the surface of dealing with ending homeless veterans. Uh, our uh, secretary of the VA recently said that he thought that there should not be any man or woman who put the uniform on who said, yes, I will die for you. I will die for everyone in this country. And I'm willing to do so, to come back home and to end up being homeless. This is something that Veterans Benefits Clearinghouse back in 1977 when we incorporated way back then said the same thing then. Uh, A bunch of Vietnam veterans got together and formed that organization back then because we saw the need for us to deal with the fact that veterans are coming back. And the the majority of the, the, the veteran population is uh, we, we African Americans only make up twelve percent, mm-hmm. but we make up forty percent of the homeless veteran population. Mm-hmm. So uh, that right there tells you a little bit of story because in Nam we made up the majority of the front line. Mm-hmm. So so it's a, it is why did why did we come back more messed up than anybody else? Well, it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. So we have 60,000 veterans right now on any given night sleeping on the streets of America. So and I also see there's, according to the National Coalition for the Homeless, there's also 1.4 million veterans in danger of becoming homeless. So that being said, what does Congress and what does the government need to do in order to stop this, this flow of, and this ebb and flow of the numbers going up? We have, you used to mention before in the last few years, we've had some decreases in homeless, in homeless population among veterans. But what do we need to do now to make sure that no veteran is on the street? And that's for Ms. Monet. So I'm glad you asked. That's what we wanted to talk about today. I think when we saw a lot of decreases, they were really due to scaling up resources and increasing nationally and in local communities. And so now we're at a point where, you know, communities are making really great progress and they're sort of looking at the most challenging among the population that they had way back when. So they're looking at, you know, mostly chronically homeless veterans left in some communities. Um, still major challenges with regard to housing affordability in literally every community across the country. And there are actually some great provisions in the Build Back Better Act that are at risk, right? So there is funding in that bill right now to provide $37 billion for the Housing Trust Fund to build and preserve deeply affordable homes for about 330,000 homeowners. There's also funding in that bill. I think it's about $90 billion to expand rental assistance vouchers, and that's really critical because right now 
only one in four families that is eligible for a housing choice voucher is able to use because we just don't have enough of those. And so given, you know, what we've seen in this pandemic and what we know to be true, right, housing is the absolute cornerstone for everything else in your life to go well, whether it's housing, employment, education, health care, all of that needs someone to be stably housed in order for it all to work well for a person. I think the number one thing that we can do is work to ensure that all of those provisions really remain in the Build Back Better Act, even as Congress is actively trying to look for ways to fill down the provisions and address some concerns that a handful, less than a handful of members have about the price tag on that piece of legislation. And then, Ralph, also, too, one of the big issues with homelessness, having worked with homeless people myself for years, is mental health. Mental health is, is a critical component, especially when you're talking about veterans coming back from conflicts that might have PTSD or might have other issues going on psychologically. Is What effort is being made to address that? Because to me, that is one of the most important things to talk about when we're talking about homeless people. Well, it is, and, and uh, I don't know if you heard last week's uh, show, but that was our topic. Uh, Miss Monet and I talking about the role of, of mental health among homeless veterans. But, you know, a post-traumatic stress disorder is, is, is a treatable illness. And if, if, if we really concentrate on the services to our veterans before they get discharged, we need to really do a better job at, uh, at looking at who's coming out of the service that's in need of going into programs that help with me- deal with mental illness. Um, one of the things that we found was that there is really no mechanism. I think Cliff, um, not Cliff, but the, the colonel said that when he got out, that a room full of men, maybe 150, 200 folks, they asked them, if you have a mental illness, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. Now, that's no way of being able to do an assessment of our service people who are in need of help for mental illness. And, and the other thing is one of the, the biggest things that I found that, that helps with issues around mental illness, they'll go, a lot of those issues go away with a job. You give a veteran a job, let him have a meaningful um, relationship with his family, show that he can bring home the bacon. It's, a, um, it's, it's an amazing thing that it has a, a tremendous impact on his state of mind, uh, on her state of mind. So, uh, we, I don't want to really try to pin homelessness on mental illness among veterans because that's not really the issue. We need to make sure that the low-income tax credit for, for building affordable housing gets adequate funding. We need to emphasize on uh, not only on building the house to put a veteran in, but giving him the kind of support that he needs so that he can be successful and get back to independent living again. 
I mean, it's great that the VA has clinical social workers working on the issue. But what we really need them to really do is get some navigators, get some social workers who don't necessarily have to have a, 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 a licensed clinical social work degree, but just be willing to help a guy get the, or a girl get the um, bus pass that they need to, to try to get over to where a job is or uh, go check them out. Do they, you know, being homeless, a lot of times you lose a lot of those life skills that you have, mm-hmm. you know, shopping, cooking, mm-hmm. cleaning, doing all the things that we take for granted every day. If you've been homeless for about a year, survival takes over, and the only thing important is where you're going to get something to eat and how you're going to be able to stay out of the weather. Right, and then you keep so, in mind, too, when you talk about this, what you just mentioned, when you go through the process of becoming homeless, I've actually watched people in that process, you, you start losing a piece of your sanity. Because that is a that people don't realize how devastating it is to go from having a job, having a, a sustainable life, and all of a sudden finding yourself out on the street with no place to to sleep. You're sleeping on the street. That's that's psychologically devastating, you know. So what? Back again to the to the topic we're talking about as far as getting help and getting the resources from um, um, from different places. First, tell us um, how can us as citizens get in contact with your organization, give us your social media, give us all the information we need to get in contact with you to support you guys. What's your website? Ms. Monet? So our website is www.nchv.org. We are also on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And for those folks who are listening and might be facing housing instability, they can actually call us on our referral line at one 800 vet Help so V E T H E L P. Okay, and then you have a, do you have a phone number that some people can contact uh, or call you by? Because a lot of people don't like using social media, unfortunately, especially veterans um, of our older veterans, so they might not be used to using Facebook or Twitter things like yeah. that. So, so what's, absolutely. What's your so our office, just our general office line, is two zero two five four six one nine six nine. Okay, and then so so tell us what are some of the challenges that um, I want to go back to that 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 process of a person um, losing their their sustenance, losing their the way to actually make a life for themselves, ending up on the street. What? How do you help them get back into um, to success, and be able to get, be able to get their life back in order? How do you? What's the what's the process for that? Well, you know, um, we serve about. I don't know, there's 400 different organizations that have uh, uh, in their their whole uh, workload a group of people that go out and do outreach. They go out under the bridges. They go out to the areas, to the camp areas, and they try to seek out those among the homeless that happen to be veterans. And plug them into uh, programs like um, uh, those that at, at, uh, at Cloudbreak Houston, um, where the, the VA works with, with uh, organizations and do a grant and per diem type of a thing where you, you're taken from the street and you're given housing, but then you're responsible to uh, work with a 
with the counselors to try to get you into the job market again or go through life skills training programs. Uh, you know, here you are telling the homeless veteran, you're now responsible to pay rent every month. If you don't have the money to pay rent, then you've got to go get a voucher where the government can help pay some of the rent or majority of the rent, but then you might be responsible for $50 a month. Well, some of them don't even have that. So they, how do they, how do they get, uh, their fair share? And it's a, it's also about being responsible for you and, uh, being able to take care of yourself. So we need people that can, can work with this homeless veteran. I, we call them navigators. Hey, uh, once or twice or three times a week, they go and check up on the homeless person who's now housed and see if you, did you do your shopping? Uh, have you, have you uh, all the things you need in, inside your house to keep your place clean and sanitary and safe? Um, all of these things are in, in a combination to get a person back to being whole again. And so, you know, I also want to talk to those veterans who are previously homeless about owning your own home. Right now, the banks are hugging a veteran who has a GI Bill mm -hmm. because you can get for no money down, you can, can own your own home, but you do have to be able to have good credit. You do have to be able to show that. So that means there's a whole preparatory process that has to go into first before you can step into owning your own home. You have to be able to show that you live somewhere and pay the rent in a time of that. So, so all of these things are, are there, but we just need to make sure that we have the money to pay for it. Prevention is what you were talking about earlier. How do you prevent veterans from being homeless nobody wants to pay for prevention mm -hmm. so miss monet what nobody. what what would you, what can the current administration do speci like specifically do you have any particular things you want to see them do if they could do one thing what would they start with one thing is a hard question because i have <laughs> well, just start with something. i mean it's a starting point i mean not saying it's going to solve I all the problems it but... goes back to services okay. and we've talked a little bit during the show about how services really matter and they're the key making this work and there are two really great programs that are pretty well known for supportive services and the first is hud bash and va for many years has challenges sufficiently staffing their case manager positions. And in the last year, they've done a lot of work to get placements higher than they've been before, but still not to a place of great comfort. Because when you don't have, you know, case managers on staff, you can't give the vouchers to veterans, right? So you might have money that HUD's got for vouchers, but it's just sitting there hanging out, waiting for a case manager to actually support the veteran in the unit. So I think that would be thing one. Thing two, as it relates to services, would be to focus in on how we're really maximizing the use of our grant and premium programs, and those are the shelter programs that Mr. Cooper mentioned earlier. Uh, the services in those programs are really great, but what we've found during COVID is that in some instances, certain providers are in highly congregate settings where there are a lot of veterans very close together in bunk beds, and 
that's not necessarily the safest. And so VA has been doing some work to offer some funding to grantees to try and better space people out and support them in accessing larger facilities and more space to continue to serve the veterans who need help. And so I do think that that is something that VA should continue to do and focus in on. Then, Ralph, what would you like to see more of from the government? Uh, basically, what we were just talking about. Um, really want to see them support uh, housing uh, and the not only um, just to house a veteran and grab them and get them off the street, but get them ready for permanent housing. Uh, get them ready so that they can be able to to reconnect with families. That oftentimes the homeless veteran is disconnected with the family members, the wife and children, if they have them. How do you get? How how are you making sure that they have a place? that they can call home. And, you know, it really starts with what uh, Catherine was talking about, is that we need support from the government not to wane on things when they, you know, at first a lot of people say, hey, you know, we we can, we're all almost, uh, there are no more homeless veterans anymore. Remember, we, uh, we fought that fight in, there were only 60,000 homeless veterans on the streets. I, I question that number, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm quite sure there are more than 60,000 across this nation that are homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, w- one of the things is we need an adequate uh, count, not just a, a one-night-in-December count to say that this is who's homeless in this nation. There's a better process. We don't know. Nobody's out on the street that's laying at home on the couch of a friend or in the basement or in their car or where, you know, they're just not there. They're not being counted. So they're not in the shelters. So we need to be able to figure out a way to adequately uh, tell the story. And then we can develop strategies that we can, I, I do believe we can work toward ending homelessness. I really do believe it, but it's not a miracle. And it's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of concentration, both from the government and from the, our citizenry. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people know somebody that's in trouble but they might not want to come forward and say, hey, you know, this person needs some help. Well, once again, Ms. Monet, can you give us the information on how to contact your organization? So if someone might be facing homelessness or maybe is close, maybe they're transient because we have a lot of, you know, couch surfers like we talked about, um, where can, how yeah. can they get a hold of you to get some help? So they can call our office. Um, they can reach us either at 1-800-VET-HELP or 202-546-1969. Uh, we're also available online at www.nchv.org, and you can search us and find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 
Now, there's a lot of tent cities I've noticed popping up around the country, um, particularly here in Chicago. And one of the things I've noticed with the tent cities is that there is a, com- a sense of community among veterans. You see a lot of veterans that actually sometimes organize some of these these spots and then also do everything from even doing security, like actually doing ma- uh, maintenance and security at these, these tent cities. Uh, so what and we but then you had some pushback in some cases where the local government or the the local aldermen didn't want those tent cities here in Chicago or underneath the viaduct. Are you seeing a lot of um, pushback from different administrations around the country at the state or local level to try to keep veterans or keep people from um, doing whatever they can do just to get some shelter? And that's for Mr. Well, Cooper. Or, uh, yeah, either one of you. Uh, in Houston, um, we have a big issue. Houston uh, has one of the largest uh, veteran populations. And, and as far as homeless is concerned, it's a major homeless problem. And these 10 cities, I think in some cases, they're ordinances against uh, them. So, you know, um, you, you, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. But we need to figure out how do we end up getting these folks housed or into some sort of a program to help them work through whatever their issues are. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big problem. And nobody, you know, no mayor wants to see, his, 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 see people from other countries and out of town come through and ride through and see these tent cities all over the place. I mean, it's... It's not a pleasant sight, but the, uh, taking them up and, and carting them away isn't the answer. So we need to figure out how to do it better. Ms. Monique, want to add to that? So do you see a lot of pushback from the, from the state and local level or even at the f- federal level? I mean, what is the issue with someone trying their, their darndest just to get shelter? So a lot of cities have been having issues with tent cities, and a lot of cities have sort of, I think, taken some unproductive approaches, right, where they'll create sit-stand-lie ordinances and they'll basically criminalize being outside in poverty. And I, I understand intent, although it is misguided, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, when you take an approach like that, all you're doing is further harming the people who are at risk and who are suffering and struggling. And we do know that the CDC has come out and actually said, while COVID is still out there and it still exists, you should not be trying to take down encampments and moving people unless you're able to move them into permanent housing. And so I think to some degree, the answer really lies in making more permanent housing available to people who are outside and struggling and figuring out what cities need to make that happen, whether it's, you know, pulling down some of your extra rescue plan money. Some cities have actually taken over um, hotels and motels and purchased them and turned them into SRO-style units to accommodate more housing. So there are creative things that can be done, and I do think that cities should be looking towards more productive solutions than um, criminalizing poverty. Thank you guys for joining us. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.